Welcome back to Informed and Inflamed, where we seek to inform our minds with truth in order to inflame our hearts with love for God and neighbor. I'm Brad Owens, and I'm excited that you're joining us today for episode number two. In this episode, I'm looking forward to thinking more deeply with you about the gospel, the good news of God's grace given to sinners through faith in Jesus Christ. We're going to consider the response the gospel calls for and requires from us. I like to say that the gospel is like sunscreen. Like sunscreen, the gospel needs to be applied in order to experience any benefit from it. If the gospel is not applied and embraced, the salvation and transformation offered to us in it will not be ours. The middle school and high school students that I have the joy and privilege of serving and doing life with at our church always know that I've forgotten to use sunscreen when I show up with a bright red forehead. This has happened more times than I'd like to admit, but I'll be honest, I'm not the biggest fan of sunscreen. I don't like the oily feel of it, but because of how much I hate the feel of it, my wonderful wife, Anna, consistently reminds me of the benefits of using it in an effort to get me to use it sometimes. Sometimes I use it, sometimes I forget, and other times I just keep telling myself that I'll be okay, which never works out like I think it will. So I'm slowly learning to endure the horrible feeling of oily sunscreen for the sake of the benefits and protection it brings. So the gospel, like sunscreen, it desperately needs to be applied to our lives for us to to benefit from it. The Bible shows us how we are to apply it, and we can summarize Scripture's teaching in this statement. The response the gospel requires is a lifelong trajectory of turning, trusting, and treasuring Christ above all else. So now let's spend some time breaking down the elements in that statement. First of all, the gospel does require a particular kind of response from us. The good news of God's grace in Christ invites us into a particular way of life one that exalts Christ and enjoys His presence more than anything else in all the world. We must be careful not to forget this. Sometimes we can proclaim the gospel in a way that leaves the impression that the gospel benefits are automatic and that there's no need to respond in a particular way. Jared Wilson, in his book, The Gospel-Driven Church, gets at this danger when he says this, The gospel is not fully preached until people have been called to respond. John Calvin, he also says, We must understand that as long as Christ remains outside of us and we are separated from him, all that he has suffered and done for the salvation of the human race remains useless and of no value for us. So the gospel requires a response. And we want to make sure we have personally responded to it, as well as to make sure we are faithfully declaring the proper response the gospel calls for 
in light of what Scripture says when we share the gospel with other people. So what is the response the gospel calls for? Well, we see in the beginning of Jesus' public ministry the response he was calling for. In Mark 1, verse 15, it says of Jesus, The time has come, he said, the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. So the response Jesus called for was repentance and faith, or turning away from sin and trusting in Christ alone. Turning and trusting, or repentance and faith, are two sides of the same coin. You will always find these two together in someone who has truly responded to the gospel with saving faith. If one is missing, the other one is too. If there is a profession of faith but no repentance, no turning away from sin, and resolving to walk in obedience to God's word, then the profession of faith is suspect. The heart transformation that occurs in the hearts of believers when they are changed by the gospel of Christ leads to a new lifelong trajectory of turning away from sin, trusting in Christ, and treasuring him more than anything else. John the Baptist, Jesus, and the apostles all uniformly call sinners to turn from their old ways and to trust in Christ for their salvation and the restoration of their relationship with the God who made them. We see this over and over again in the pages of Scripture. We've already looked at the words of Jesus as he began his public ministry and invited people to respond to the gospel message. Peter and Paul also, in the book of Acts, they call people to respond in the same way, with repentance and faith. In Acts 2, verses 38 and 39, Peter proclaims this, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. He also says in Acts 3, verses 19 and 20, Repent then and turn to God, so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. And the Apostle Paul says in Acts 17, verses 30 and 31, In the past God overlooked such ignorance, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent. For he has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed. He has given proof of this to everyone by raising him from the dead. Even in the Old Testament, the response is the same. Isaiah 55 verse 7 says, Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord that he may have compassion on him. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. That's a pretty good summary of what it means to turn away from sin and to trust in the Lord. And in Isaiah 45, verse 22, it says, Turn to me and be saved, all the ends of the earth, for I am God and there is no other. Here we see it again. Turning away from sin, which is repentance, goes hand in hand with turning to God and trusting in Him alone for salvation. Now this is only a small sampling from the Old Testament and the New Testament, 
but we could easily multiply more instances. The scriptures are literally saturated with this response of turning away from sin and turning in faith to the one true God to be saved from the righteous judgment we all deserve because of our sin and rebellion against him. Perhaps an illustration of turning and trusting or of repentance and faith will be helpful here. This illustration is not original to me, although I can't remember who I first heard this from, so I don't know who to give credit to, but I wish I could remember. Anyways, here's the illustration, and you'll probably be able to relate to this if you have children or maybe even a dog or some other beloved pet. But imagine coming home to your family after a long overnight trip. I went up to Charlotte at the beginning of January, which is a little over an hour away from where we live. I went for a week-long intensive course at Reformed Theological Seminary for the Doctor of Ministry program there that I'm currently going through. It was an awesome class. It was preaching Old Testament narrative with Dr. John Currid, but I'll be honest, I, as much as I enjoyed it, I missed my girls at home. I missed my wife and my two little daughters. I remember driving back home on Friday thinking about how much fun it would be to, to play with them and cuddle on the living room floor once I got home. As I walked through the door with several bags strapped to my shoulders, I quickly laid aside those bags so that I could kneel down and give my girls a big hug. And Anna too, of course. But I dropped my bags as I walked through the door because they got in the way. They hindered me from embracing my family. And repentance and faith are like that. Repentance is throwing away what hinders and prevents us from reaching out and embracing Christ. And faith is our embracing of Christ as Savior and Lord. Repentance turns away from sin because it keeps us from enjoying Him. And faith is our turning to Christ as our greatest treasure and our greatest delight. And Ephesians 2 verses 8 through 10 is a good summary of what we've been talking about. Ephesians 2 8 through 10 says, For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. The re so the response the gospel requires is repentance and faith, or again, turning and trusting. But like Ephesians 2 verses 8 through 10 says, even that response is empowered by grace, by God's unearned and undeserved blessing. We do absolutely nothing to deserve it, and yet God blesses us with himself in all his glorious goodness. The transforming power of the gospel, when it changes our hearts in regeneration, it enables us to respond to the gospel by turning away from sin and trusting in Christ. And this happens fundamentally because the delights of our hearts have been changed. Where there was once love for sin, there is now love for Christ. And where once sin was beautiful and attractive, now Christ himself is more beautiful and more attractive to our hearts. We once treasured sin, but now we treasure Christ more than anything else. That 
is the glorious blessing that the gospel gives to us. And we see this idea of treasuring Christ all over Scripture as well. Jeremiah 15, verse 16 says, Your words were found, and I ate them, and your words became to me a joy and the delight of my heart. Psalm 119, verse 20 says, My soul is consumed with longing for your laws at all times. And Psalm 27, verse 4 says, One thing I ask from the Lord, and this only will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. And one more, Psalm 73, 25 and 26 says, Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth that I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. So over and over again, we see in the Bible that those whose hearts have been transformed by God's grace treasure the Lord and His Word because it is through His Word that we come to know Him better. Christ and His Word become precious and beautiful to us when we come into a saving relationship with the Lord. Our hearts are captivated by a new affection and a new longing to know and enjoy our three-in-one God. That's what has come to capture our hearts, a, a new and ever-deepening desire to love and be loved by Jesus. I can think of another instance in life when my desire for something began to fade away as I found something so much better. I don't know if you've ever tried peanut butter M&Ms, but if you haven't, you have got to. They are absolutely incredible. Before I ever had peanut butter M&Ms, though, I loved Reese's Pieces, but not anymore. Now I have discovered the superior deliciousness of peanut butter M&Ms. So Reese's Pieces are just disappointing now. Don't get me wrong, I, I love sweets, and if no peanut butter M&Ms were available, of course I would take a big handful of Reese's Pieces. But if I had the choice, peanut butter M&Ms would win every single time. And coming into a saving relationship with Christ is like finding peanut butter M&Ms. The things that used to bring you pleasure don't deliver like they used to. And of course, since all analogies break down somewhere, we know that comparing Reese's Pieces with sin doesn't really match up. From God's perspective, sin is not a good but lesser thing we have the freedom to enjoy. Sin is bad for us. Its consequences are destructive and ruin our lives, both now and in eternity. That's why Jesus came, to rescue us from the deadly, eternal consequences of our own deep-rooted sinfulness. But once our hearts are changed, our love for sin is rooted out, and a love for Christ takes its place. With transformed hearts, our supreme treasure is now Christ Himself, and we treasure Him above all else by enjoying Him and by extending His grace to more and more people. So, if we are in Christ, we have turned from our sins. We've trusted in Christ, and now we treasure Him above all else. And this is not a 
one-time decision that never has any practical consequences in how we live our lives. This is a complete shift in direction. Coming to faith in Christ is not a one-time thing that occurs in isolation from every other part of life. Instead, it begins a lifelong trajectory of turning away from sin, trusting in Jesus, and treasuring our relationship with Him every single day for the rest of our lives. This is the daily journey we are on with Jesus. We are called to forsake our sin and to walk in obedience to Christ our King for the rest of our lives. Thomas Brooks, he was a Puritan who lived in the 1600s, and he wrote a wonderful book called Precious Remedies Against Satan's Devices. And in that book, he says this, among so many other good things. He says, If thou dost not lay sin aside, God will lay thy soul aside forever. If sin and thy soul do not part, Christ and thy soul can never meet. So, pardon the old English, but basically what he is saying here is that a person must be willing to separate from sin if they are ever to be saved. It's not that we turn away from sin perfectly when we first believe in Christ. All of us continue to sin every single day after we come to know the Lord. But it's that our posture or our orientation towards sin has radically and permanently changed. We can no longer live at peace with sin because we know it breaks God's heart and hardens ours. Like 1 Peter says, we wage war against our sinful desires so that they don't sap our joy and hinder our communion with Christ. He has become our ultimate treasure, and now we want to resist every force that would prevent us from finding our joy and happiness in Him. Therefore, we battle against the world, the flesh, and the devil so that we might find everything we've ever longed for in the only one who can satisfy those longings in our hearts. Well, we began this episode with a statement that summarizes the response the gospel calls for. Let's also end our time together with that summary statement again. Here it is. The response the gospel requires is a lifelong trajectory of turning, trusting, and treasuring Christ above all else. If our hearts have been changed and transformed by the Holy Spirit, this is the pursuit that will mark our lives. We certainly will stumble and fall more times than we can count, but a new trajectory sets the course for our lives. We are now living every day in pursuit of turning away from sin, trusting in Christ, and treasuring Him more than anything else this world tries to offer us. We know those things cannot deliver the deep satisfaction we all crave. So we instead daily go to the one who is able to give us the deepest desires of our hearts. Well, that wraps up our second episode of Informed and Inflamed. Thank you so much for tuning in again today. I hope this has been a blessing to you in your relationship with Jesus. And until next time, may you be blessed with rich fellowship with Him as you walk through both the joys and the sorrows of life 
with your beloved and precious Savior.